Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hold the phone now, hold that line. Tell the boys it'll be just fine. I'll be just fine. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to a clip of Dandelion by Oliver Hazard, a group from Waterville, Ohio. Oliver Hazard is our featured musical artist this week, so stick around to the end of the podcast. We'll tell you a little bit more about them and let you hear the rest of that song. Right now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our award-winning journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everyone. If you'll recall our first year doing this podcast, we covered several episodes of college students who went missing, only to have police quickly suggest that they suffered from amnesia and were simply lost. Well, tonight we have a 30-year-old father and businessman who disappeared during a fishing trip only to show up several years later as a television announcer in another city, claiming to be completely oblivious to his past life and the family he'd left behind. Now, before you dismiss this wild claim, you need to hear the full story of Lawrence Joseph Bader also known as John Fritz Johnson. Larry Bader was born in 1926 in Akron, Ohio. He attended St. Sebastian School and St. Vincent High School, served in the Navy during World War II, and married his wife, Mary Lou, in 1952. By 1957, the young couple had three children, ages two, three, and four, and a fourth child on the way. They lived in a modest home on the city's nice west side on Goodhue Drive. He made about $10,000 a year as a cookware salesman for the Reynolds Metal Corp. In his spare time, he was an archery enthusiast and a darn good one, too. He had many trophies, the most recent as champion of a tri-state archery contest. He loved the outdoors. He was the kind of guy who wore genuine buckskin when he went hunting. Friends thought of Bader as an all-around nice guy, the kind of guy who could talk your ear off and you'd love to sit and listen. He was a red-blooded beer drinker, too, but not so wild that he wasn't a family man. 
But life had gotten very complicated for Bader. He was $20,000 in debt from some failed get-rich-quick schemes. He'd been stuck with some bad checks in the course of selling his kitchen appliances. He had a $17,000 mortgage, and he hadn't paid any income tax for five years. On March 15, 1957, he told Mary Lou he wanted to forget the stresses of his life and just go fishing. And he did. He loaded his tackle box and pole into his car and drove to Rocky River near Cleveland to run a 14-foot motorboat. The clear sky had given way to dark clouds, but despite storm warnings, he left the Lake Erie shoreline at 4.30 p.m. Lawrence Bader never returned home. The storm whipped up about three hours later, and the following morning, Bader's boat was found on the rocks at Perkins Beach in Lakewood. The boat had some minor damage and was missing an oar. The Coast Guard would report that the gas line on the boat was disconnected. Odd, because it's not the kind of thing that can work free on its own. There was no sign of Bader. After two months of on and off searching, he was presumed lost at sea. And in 1960, a court declared Lawrence Bader legally dead. But he wasn't. Because four days after that fishing trip, a man named John Johnson, he told people his friends called him Fritz, he entered a tavern in Omaha, Nebraska, some 800 miles from that Lake Erie shore. It was the old Round Table Bar at 19th and Harney Streets. And years later, people still remember that day. He was that impressionable. The woman behind the bar said Fritz was fascinating, debonair, well-dressed, and not broke. Fritz asked her on a date. She was only the first of many to be charmed by the stranger. <clears throat> Fritz wasn't acting like a man who was trying to hide. His flamboyant personality made him so popular, he was given a job as a bartender and then a radio announcer at KBON Radio. He became something of a minor celebrity in town when he sat on a flagpole for 30 days to raise money for polio. Then he landed a job as TV sports director at Omaha's KETV Channel 7, where he also announced news and weather. He was fun and amiable, but also an oddball. He drove a hearse equipped with pillows, a coffee bar, and an incense burner. He regaled his new friends with vivid stories of a childhood growing up in Massachusetts. He said he was one of 22 babies that had been left on doorsteps in Boston in 1930 and was raised by a local orphanage. He said he spent 13 years in the Navy from 1943 to February of 1957. I'll point out February of 1957 is the month before Lawrence Bader disappeared. Fritz, as he would later tell it, decided on a whim to take up archery to strengthen his back muscles after an injury. And he took to it like a duck to water. He won the Nebraska State Championship five weeks later and eventually collected 13 titles. In 1961, Fritz Johnson gave up his bachelorhood. He married a 20-year-old divorcee and photographer's model, Nancy Zimmer. Nancy came with a daughter who Fritz adopted. 
And a couple of years after their marriage, the couple had a son together. In 1964, Fritz learned he had a cancerous tumor behind his left eye. He lost the eye and wore a black eye patch, but it only added to his flamboyant personality. Meanwhile, back in Akron, Mary Lou had adjusted to life as a widow, rearing four children on a Social Security stipend and the nearly $40,000 left to her in a life insurance policy. She took off her wedding ring, even started dating again, and found herself engaged to a new beau. The lives of Fritz Johnson and Mary Lou Bader were about to be upended. On February 2, 1965, eight years after the fishing trip that ended the existence of Lawrence Bader, Fritz Johnson went to a sports show in Chicago. As the Nebraska archery champ, he was representing a company showing off its equipment by flexing his bows. There, a man from Akron, Ohio, could hardly believe what he was looking at. He knew Larry Bader from archery, and this Fritz Johnson, in spite of a new mustache and that debonair eye patch, was a dead ringer for him. The friend dragged over Suzanne Pica, the 21-year-old niece of Larry Bader, to have a look at that guy promoting archery equipment. She walked up to him and asked him straight on, pardon me, but aren't you my Uncle Larry Bader? Fritz Johnson laughed it off, but Denise wasn't wasting any time. She called Bader's two brothers, John and Dick, back in Akron, and they immediately arranged for a private plane to take them to Chicago to have a look for themselves. There was no doubt, they said, but Fritz said they had to be mistaken. Fritz was polite, showed absolutely no recognition of the two men, and patiently answered all of their questions. When the men asked Fritz if he would submit fingerprints for comparison to the prints that Larry Bader had on file with the Navy, he happily agreed. He wanted these poor men to be able to go back home with no doubt in their mind that he was not their dead brother. But, of course, the fingerprints matched. Fritz Johnson a.k.a. Lawrence Bader, became national news. Fritz would later say the moment he was told his prints matched Bader's gave him a physical shock. He described it being as if, and here's a quote, a door had been slammed and somebody had hit me right in the face. In Akron, Mary Lou was dealing with her end of this stunning revelation. There were many, oh, so many problems to resolve. She had been receiving monthly Social Security payments of $254 and had received $39,500 from Bader's life insurance. Agencies wanted that money back. She was also engaged, but now that her first husband was alive, it wasn't even a question of getting a divorce. The Baders were Catholic, Mary Lou devoutly so. In 1965, the church didn't allow divorce. It wasn't an option. And since Fritz was already married when he exchanged vows with his second wife, Nancy, that marriage was declared null and void. Poor Nancy, she ended up with an illegitimate son out of the whole situation. 
Fritz moved into a room at the Omaha YMCA after losing his job at the TV station and got his old job back bartending. He earned $100 a week, half of which went to support his Akron children and another 20 that went to support his Omaha children. So what about that memory loss? A team of psychiatrists examined Bader for 10 days. The idea of someone losing their memory and filling in the lost years with fake ones was a rare condition, but not unheard of. There was certainly a good argument to be made that Larry Bader might have wanted to leave his former life filled with four little ones, a boatload of debt, and looming tax evasion charges from the IRS. But then again, there was that brain tumor. It certainly seemed possible it had affected his memory. There was just no way to prove either theory. In August of 1965, Mary Lou drove her four children to Chicago and picked up Fritz Johnson at Union Station. They had a two-day family reunion, though Fritz still said he had no memory of this family from Akron. Still, he was warm and kind and treated the children as his own. After the reunion, he told a reporter, My God, don't you understand? All of a sudden, I find out that 30 years of my life never happened. You see, I really do have 30 years of memory as Fritz Johnson. What am I supposed to do with those 30 years? Throw them out the door? Fritz said he didn't want to return with that family in Akron. People would constantly be trying to test him, and he'd be a freak show. He said, and here's a quote, I don't see how this mess can have a happy ending. And it didn't. The cancer that took his eye took his life the very next year. He died at the age of 39 on September 16, 1966, at St. Joseph's Medical Hospital in Omaha. His funeral was held in Omaha, but his body was returned to Akron for burial in the Bader family plot at Holy Cross Cemetery. Wow, what a crazy story. That is just, man, movies should be made about this. I know. And it's, you know, there. it seems like there's just so much reason for Lawrence Bader to leave that very stressful life he had. But his brain tumor just throws a wrench in this that you can't dismiss. All right. Well, this is part of the program where we invite an Ohio Mysteries listener to be an armchair detective. Let's bring him on board. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.
Well, for tonight's Armchair Detective, we welcome Dan Freeman from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Hi, Dan. Hey, Paula. Hey, Steve. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. Oh, my gosh. What did you think of this story? What a what a crazy story, you know, just to absolutely just disappear, start a new life, and then eventually reappear eight years later. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. It is. And I, as I was telling Steve, that brain tumor just stops you from absolutely dismissing this 100%. So let's just jump right into your opinion, and then we'll delve into the, the little bits and pieces of it. Amnesia? Or was this guy just completely faking it? You know, I, I, I wrote down here, I was kind of thinking of like all the different things it could be. And I've, I've talked to my daughter who's down at Ohio State. She's doing some, uh, you know, she's training for medical school and stuff. And, uh, you know, we'd come up and she had actually said, you know, what about schizophrenia? And I thought like, that could be an interesting concept as well. You know, where you have multiple personalities and maybe you just get stuck in one, but you know, it didn't really match because, you know, it wasn't something that he had displayed beforehand. And then, you know, I was thinking about amnesia, you know, could it be like, uh, you know, the fugue state, could it be like, you know, in Breaking Bad or, you know, Jason Bourne or something like that, where you just have this temporary amnesia and you get this different personality. And they're talking about, you know, different stresses or different causes for that. And you got obviously a lot of stress with his four kids in five years. You got his finances, you got whatever experiences he had when he was in the Navy, you got a potential injury from a boat accident. You got cancer. You got potential alcohol abuse. Uh, you know, thinking back to his beer drinking and thinking back to, you know, he went into become a bartender. And he was obviously very much into the to the alcohol and stuff. Not that he was alcoholic, because I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, no, that's uh, a good point. Yeah. And then one of the other things is it said when I was looking up amnesia and I was just talking about, you know, a sudden submersion into really hot or cold water could cause it. You know, and, and, and his accident took place on March 15th. You know, Lake Erie at that time is very cold, you know, so maybe these were, were things that could spark the amnesia. Yeah, you know, we don't know if he was, you know, in that boat when it wrecked or whether he um, scuttled it himself. But if he was in that boat when that storm hit, you know, he could have had some some brain trauma. That could have helped to bring on, you know, this in addition to his brain tumor. I mean, there there are a lot of little things here that could have added to that. And I'm glad you pointed out his Navy um, service because he was in the Navy during World War II. I didn't find anything specific about his service at that time. But having had uncles that served during World War II, you know, I have heard stories that changed their life. I had one uh, uncle that ended up in a mental institution. And again, oh, yeah. you know, that's an aspect that could have been added to, to everything else that was going on in his life. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is when I was, when I was looking into all this stuff and it says, usually, you know, these are things that only last a few days or weeks. You know, the thing is, is these usually aren't permanent things. These aren't things that, that last, you know, eight years when it usually it results in, you know, from, uh, having short-term memory loss as well. So like, him being able to keep his story straight, you know, for eight years. And uh, that's just, that's tough to, uh, that's tough to follow. You know, like, I, I don't know if there's a lot of cases where people have like, what was that movie that had uh, Drew Barrymore where she woke up every day? Oh was, yeah. Uh, oh, I can't remember. 30 days or 50 first dates, 50 first dates. I knew there was you know, a number like, in there. 
You know, it's like it's you don't really there's not a lot of that out there. Maybe we just don't know about it. You know, obviously, it's a very rare thing. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, you know, that was like the second thing I thought maybe it was like amnesia. So, like I said, I, I kind of did some talking and stuff. And coincidentally, when, when you first gave me this case, I was looking at the name Larry Bader, Larry Bader. And I realized, you know, I actually teach uh, in, in Akron here. And there's actually a lady that I taught with for a couple of a week. She was substitute teacher. And I ended up giving her a call. Uh, and her last name was Bader. And, uh, and I was like, how cool would that be if she was like related to this guy and knew a little bit side of this story? Well, um, is she? No, she's this way. She told me she said that uh, she is from the Maslin Baders, and they're not really related to the uh, the Akron Baders, but that they. Uh, she said that some of her family members were familiar with the story, but just in in the story itself, they didn't really know him or know anything else as okay. far as details go. But I thought like, oh, that would have been so awesome because I was trying to do the math on. I'm thinking like that could be like her grandpa or granddad or something like that, and uh, how cool that would have been. It wouldn't surprise me if they found out that they were distant cousins of a sort. Because how many people know their distant genealogy? I mean, I've, you know, I have done my family's genealogy, and I know of a thousand people who live in a twenty-mile radius who are related to me, but they don't know me from Adam. So right. <laughs> who knows? Oh, yeah. It could be. Yeah. You know, one thing that really kind of struck me about Fritz Johnson is if he was trying to hide from his life as Larry Bader, he was doing a very poor job of it because he was extremely high profile. Not only was he on the radio and TV every night, people are looking at his face, but he actually went to an archery conference where Lawrence Bader had all of these titles. He would have had every reason. Fritz Johnson would have had every reason to think he was going to run into people who knew Larry Bader at that archery conference. And and he went anyway, and in a very high-profile high way. I mean, he's displaying stuff in a booth. So if he was afraid that somebody was going to recognize him, why would he have done that? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I think that's um, just another good argument that he really I, didn't know. Maybe, or maybe he did. Maybe he was just a little bit arrogant about it. You know, I mean, they said he was kind of the life of the party. You know, maybe he was thinking like, hey, I'm going to get away with this. I have an eye patch on now. I got a mustache. I mean, nobody's going to recognize me with a mustache. <laughs> and an eye patch. I mean, holy cow, you got a third of your face covered right there. Yeah. Well, here's the, the thing, though. I was thinking also like the third possibility would be that he, he did fake it, that he just fled. Um, and so I started thinking like, okay, well, what else do we have out there? What other clues do we have? And, and I think it's kind of funny, but, uh, so like, uh, just doing some research on the story. So apparently he had a small suitcase that he took with him when he went on this trip. I saw it in several different reports. Correct. Uh, and it looked like he, he cashed a $400 check the, uh, the day of his disappearance and ended up paying some life insurance policy and taking care of some other bills during that time, maybe tying up some loose ends before he left. I thought it was interesting that an oar was missing from the boat. You know, could the oar have been used as a flotation device to get him back, you know, back to shore, you know, if he wasn't that far off of it? Uh, or was it just something that was swept over? Um, some of the things that I thought, I think he gave us some clues, too. Like, you know, like when your TV goes out, you say the TV's on the... Fritz! 
TV's on the fritz, right? You know, like it's kind of weird. Like maybe his That's brain funny. was on the fritz here or whatever. But you know, it's like so call me Fritz. Just call me Fritz. Just call me Fritz. My brain's a little bit messed up here, but uh, you know, I was like thinking, like, why would he choose the name Fritz? Like, that's such a weird name. But then, you know, I come to find out his boss here in Akron, his name was Fritz Zeff. So did his, did he remember that his boss's name was Fritz? Or oh my gosh! Well, you have found some little bits and pieces that that I did not know or we did not share. So thanks for adding that. But that is interesting. And another crazy thing, I think this one is almost max of irony. All right, what's the car he's driving around with? Didn't he drive around in Omaha in a hearse? Yes. Almost like, hey, there's a dead body in here. Oh. Almost, almost like advertising. Like, hey, you know what? Something's amiss here. Dead <laughs> life just, inside. Wow. Yeah, like, like my past life, you know, like there's a dead body in here or, you know, I've, I've I don't know. It's just it's weird that he would choose that. And again, but it doesn't make sense because, again, you're just drawing more attention to yourself when you do stuff like that. So I don't I don't know. I mean, is he trying to hide himself? Is he trying to. Uh, did he actually have amnesia? You know, I, I don't know. I, I I have a hard time believing that he had amnesia for eight years, though. I mean, that's a that's a that's a big break. One thing that really struck me was the the idea that if you got amnesia, you could fill your entire past with fake stories and believe it. And I was wondering, how, how can that happen? I could see where some sort of brain damage, either through a tumor or brain trauma, could damage a part of your brain and erase memories. But what could make your mind formulate an entire life. But I'll tell you what, then I remembered dreams. And our mind makes fake memories all the time when we're sleeping. So then it seemed like it was possible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and you see that in eyewitness testimony, you know, we fill in details to, to match, you know, what we perceived has happened, but, you know, but he like literally, in four days, like, I mean, that if, if he had a head injury from going into the water for him to recover that quickly and to be able to make his way to Omaha and to create this whole new story in life for himself seems a little far fetched. Cause I would think to have amnesia, you probably took a pretty substantial hit to the head and, and would be lucky to survive, you know, the frigid waters and everything else. You, you would probably have to be out of that pretty quickly. But yeah, to just create an entire new life for yourself in such a short period of time with all the details, you know, is, is kind of amazing, like you said. And the little details, like I happen to know when I was born in, you know, 1930, that there were 22 babies that had been left on Boston's doorsteps that year. And it's like, what, where are these details coming from? You know, I, he's either a really good storyteller or his uh, brain is doing some really remarkable calculating on its own. And he remembered he was in the Navy. He remembered how to shoot a, a bow and arrow. You know, he, he, he had, a, yes. I think he had some other memories that were still there. But again, whether it was due to the stress, I mean, four kids in five years, a lot of sleep deprivation. I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, I'm that's, trying to uh, picture like if he really did have amnesia. And he like picks up this bow and arrow and decides, huh, I feel like shooting this. And his first 10 shots are bullseyes. <laughs> He's probably like, wow, I'm such a natural. 
Yeah. I mean, that had to be that had to be weird. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. So in the end, do you if you had to bet money on one or the other, what are you leaning toward? You know, as much as I would like to believe the amnesia story, I I just I just keep coming back. I just keep coming back to I don't think it's a permanent thing. It's something. Yeah. I think he fled. I think he had a lot of financial problems. I think he had a lot of stress at home, stress at work, uh, tax evasion from the government, which, of course, you're not going to get out of. Al Capone didn't get out of it. I'm sure Fritz Johnson's not going to either, or Larry Bader. Bader. He's not. And you know what? And you and I were raised Catholic. And yes. back in the in 1957, divorce was not an option. I mean, that no. man was not getting a divorce. And if he decided, wow, I'm 30 years old, I've got these four little kids, I don't, I'm barely feeding them, and now the IRS is coming after me, you know, he he doesn't have the option of saying, you know, I'm just leaving this life, you know, openly. The only way he can leave it is, you know, secretly. Well, yeah, and thinking about it, because I actually thought about that, too. I, I was thinking about, you know, we went to St. Sebastian's, he went to St. V, uh, obviously had a Catholic upbringing. And, and like you said, we were raised as well, and, and I'm pretty well-versed in the doctrine of it. You know, it's, that's a, it's a, divorce is a sin punishable by hell. And to be honest with you, you know, maybe he didn't do it for himself. Maybe he did it for his wife's salvation. You know, he was kind of still taking care of them. You know, he tried to, you know, he did the life insurance later in life. He was sending them money. Maybe it was a way for him to let her out of that, that sin, uh, so that she could go on to her salvation. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. I know. That's, that's a good point. I like that point. You know, I, I thought it was so poignant when he told the reporter after it had all this was out and he had the little mini reunion with his Akron family, how he said, I, I don't see how this is going to have a good ending. And God, it was just tragic for everybody. I mean, you know, his wife in Akron is still a widow with these little kids. And now she's mm-hmm. got to pay back all this money that she's collected because of his death. His wife in Omaha now has an illegitimate child and, you know, no father for, for those kids, including the one that he had adopted. And him, I mean, he's he's right. If he came back to Akron, he would be a freak show every day of his life. And people yeah. would constantly be testing him, testing his memory, asking him. But even staying in Omaha, he was a minor celebrity. People knew him by face. And now he's, you know, was supposed to live the rest of his life. In some ways, it, it may have been a mercy that he died the year after this all happened and didn't have to live that, you know, in years with that. I don't know. Or did he resurface in California under a different? Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. They buried somebody else and Fritz Johnson became Mel Wiley (laughs) living in California. Oh, Dad. Dad, you have added some really great insight to this, things that I hadn't even thought of. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much. You know, we, we listen to these every single time when we drive down to visit my daughter down at Ohio State. And uh, on our way down and on our way back, we love listening to these. And I appreciate you giving me a call. Uh, I'm, glad I'm glad we can entertain you. <laughs> Thank you.
That's it for tonight, campers. Stop by our website, ohiomysteries.com, for photos, links, news clippings, and more for this and every Ohio Mystery episode. You'll also find on our website a list of all of the Ohio musical artists we've featured. And tonight, we're adding a new one. Our musical guest tonight is Oliver Hazard. That's not one guy, that's three guys, Michael, Griffin, and Devin. The band was started after one of the boys came home from leading camping trips in California and recruited his childhood friends, a door-to-door salesman and a construction worker, into making an album. They won a Facebook raffle to record their debut album and started playing at some major music festivals. Now they are turning to social media to help with their next project. They just launched a Kickstarter campaign for a brand new album. If you go to kickstarter.com and search Oliver Hazard, you'll find their fundraising campaign. So, hey, if you like this group, go throw a few bucks their way. To be honest, their music just makes me smile. You can hear more by going to their website, ollihazard.com. That's O-L-I-Hazard.com. So let's hear one of their brand new songs in its entirety. This is Dandelion by Oliver Hazard. Turn up the volume, enjoy, and we'll see you back here next week for another Ohio Mystery. See my baby in the afternoon When I leave here, gonna live with you I'll be back on the 1st of June Will you hold my boots? Oh, Dandelion My Dandelion Tell me when you've made your mind So wake me up And brush my hair And do that little thing you do Till I Till I go
baby, in the afternoon. When I leave here, I'm gonna live with you. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home.